I encourage you to go and check out all of the songs on their album. We are incredibly blessed to have uh, the musicianship and the artistry that we have here at Springhouse Church. And uh, we, man, are we not just a blessed church? Are we not? Yes. Amen. Well, it is uh, Resurrection Sunday, and uh, I know it's been stated uh, uh, many times, but you know, though we celebrate Resurrection Sunday today, we should be celebrating Resurrection Sunday every single day of our lives. The truth doesn't just stand on Easter Sunday, it's the truth tomorrow on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on. The truth of the matter doesn't change. People all around the globe are gathering today to acknowledge one of the most controversial yet most important event that happened in mankind, and that is the resurrection of Jesus. People all around this community are gathering in houses of worship to acknowledge that Jesus indeed rose from the dead. And here at Springhouse Church, we are doing the same this morning. I'm glad to be in the house. The resurrection of Jesus gives us the power, gives us the ability gives me the ability to stand here and tell you I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to those who believe. We believe here at Springhouse Church in the inerrant, infallible word of God. The inerrant, infallible word of God. We believe that this book, this word is alive and active and is incapable of steering you wrong. It is incapable of not telling the truth. It is the absolute truth. The Bible is completely trustworthy as a guide to salvation and the life of faith that will not fail to accomplish its purpose and its goal in our lives. And as so, as a church that believes this Bible as the word of God, we are gonna read together two passages of scripture this morning, one from the book of John and one from the book of Romans. And as we stand, you're gonna notice there's some familiarity to these passages, but I've chosen this morning intentionally to read them from the message version. And the reason I did that is, have you ever been reading something that you've read a thousand times and on a thousand one, you read it and something hits you that's new? I'm hopeful today that today, as it is a brand new day, that God will reveal something brand new to you today about his good news. Would you look at somebody and say, good news. And the good news of the gospel never changes. Everybody stand with me. We're going to read this morning together. Let's read. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, 
embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with a God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Father, you are so good. And I thank you for your word. And I thank you that your word is alive. And as it goes out today to accomplish its purpose, God, I pray that I don't get in the way. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would rest here. Let our hearts be pliable as we discuss the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You may be seated. The gospel, the gospel. The gospel literally translates to good news. The gospel is the good news. The gospel is the good news. And we all like good news. If you're anything like me, I like giving good news. I like receiving good news. We are people who like good news. But unfortunately, we live in a world and a culture that gives us everything other than good news. Back in the day, if you wanted to catch the news on TV, you had to be intentional about gathering at the TV at 10 p.m. and turning it on or you missed the news. Now we have multiple stations on all over, all over the place running 24-hour news cycles. And when you turn it on, there's the main news of somebody talking at you. And if that's not enough, they've got a whole nother news story scrolling at the bottom for you to read. And if that's not enough, they now instituted a sidebar to give you the latest updates on some other news. Not to mention you have your email, your Twitter feed, your Instagram, your Facebook, your text alerts. You've got news coming out of your ears. And folks, let me tell you, none of it's good. None of the news is good. And they're coming at you with everything they've got so that you can be desensitized to the good news. They're coming at you and they're using a tactic. I believe that the biggest tactic that the world uses to lure people in is fear. The largest tactic used is fear. It is the job of fear to distract you from the truth. It is the job of fear to distract you from the truth. If the world can get you to fear, then it can get you to do anything. If the world can grip your heart with fear, it can get you to respond to anything. Fear Fear is a powerful force, but it is not more powerful than our Lord. It is not more powerful than Jesus. It is not more powerful than the gift of the Holy Spirit that each of us as believers have been promised and have been given. If you don't believe me 
about responding to fear, all of you are aware that we have been weathering a global pandemic over the last year. We continue to weather that pandemic right now. But Christians and non-Christians, as soon as that news hit the fan, lots of people responded out of fear. Let's just take a trip back to memory lane, back to March and April of last year. Could someone here tell me exactly where I could go get a roll of toilet paper in March and April in Middle Tennessee? The black market, says Justin Bashirs. <laughs> toilet paper became a premium because people were walking in fear. We are accustomed to responding in fear when situations present themselves for us to respond that way. But that's not how it ought to be as those who say they believe. As those who say they believe. It is the job of fear to distract us from the truth. The truth of the gospel is good news. And the best news about the good news is that the good news is for everyone. The good news, the gospel does not discriminate. It doesn't discriminate by your age, your gender, your race, your color, your background. It doesn't discriminate about what you do or don't do, what you have done, what you will do. The gospel is for absolutely 100% everyone. No one is excluded. The gospel, the good news is for everyone. The world's news, the bad news, the tragedies that come at us, the juicy gossip, the, 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 the sexy distraction, the, uh, the, the, newest, the newest tragedy that's taking place, as it captivates us, the world's news changes. As quick as the wind shifts, that news changes and evolves. And we have become so desensitized to the news that it becomes more and more dramatic as they present it to us. Has anyone else noticed how dramatic the weather forecasting has gotten nowadays? The latest storm, I've got 357 alerts on my phone telling me about the lightning strike that happened in Memphis, Tennessee hours before it got here. Beep. You got a new storm warning. Check out news channel fill in the blank, right? My goodness, it used to be that the weather was the one ray of sunshine within the newscast. But now you're just as tense and stressed looking at the weather forecast as anything else. The world's news changes. I got news for you though, the good news, the gospel, it never changes. The good news stays the same all of the time, it has stood the test of time. And anyone who has responded to the good news can testify that this good news will change your life. This good news will change your life. And the good news is this, the God of all creation, the God who created everything that you see, created you and he created me. And at the beginning of that creation, the idea was that we would be in perfect relationship with this creator, perfect relationship with this God. But something happened and fractured that relationship. And that something was sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin and God cannot cohabitate. They cannot coexist. And because of one man's sin at the beginning, the Bible tells us that all of us have sin. In other words, we have all chosen our way as opposed to God's way. 
And because of that choice, we are separated from God. But God did not like this separation. God had a choice at the separation to turn his back on us. But instead, he chose not to do that. And instead, he chose to make a way that our relationship could be reconciled to him. And that answer was in the form of Jesus Christ. Jesus came fully as man and fully as God. And he walked this earth. He lived a perfect, blameless, impeccable life. And he told us what he was going to do, what he was going to accomplish, how he was going to do it. And we did not believe him. And so we beat him. We spit on him. We talked about him. We rebelled against him. We smacked him. We smeared him. We placed a crown of thorns on his head. And we ultimately murdered this man who claimed to be the son of God. And if the story would have ended there, I would not be here right now speaking to you. But glory, hallelujah, the story did not end there because a few days later, God in heaven reached down and raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus is alive today, sitting at the right hand of Father God. The Bible tells us that Jesus is preparing a place for each one of us. And the span of space that we live in right now is given opportunity for us to respond to the good news, the gospel. And anyone who has responded truly to the gospel, their life has been changed. So much so that they understand that the gospel, the good news is meant to be shared. So much so that hundreds of thousands of people have laid their life down in sacrifice for the gospel, for this good news. And Springhouse Church is not exempt from among that population. We at Springhouse Church exist so that we can share in this good news. In fact, it's so important to us that we share this good news, not just with our community in the house here, but also to people around the world that in the year 2020, amidst a global pandemic, our small church on the corner of Old Nashville Highway and Sam Riley Parkway in Smyrna, Tennessee was able to give $123,000 to global missions and outreach last year. That $123,000 went towards spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. But it wasn't like Pastor Ronnie just had an epiphany last year in January and said, hey, maybe we should collect an offering and we can send a big gift across the seas and do, and do this and that. No, our church from the very beginning has committed to the cause of spreading the good news because we believe that the good news is valuable and it's transformative. So I'd like you to know that over the last 10 10 years, this little church in Smyrna, Tennessee has given over $1.3 million to outreach and global missions. Now, I don't share that information because we need accolades and we need a pat on the back. In fact, I wish this number was quadruple the number it is, and I believe that it will become that way. But the reason I share that is that it is of utmost importance that we are who we say we are and that we do what we say we, we're going to do. And the reason for that is because we are recipients of the good news from a man who came, a man who came in flesh, 
who was also God, who was who he said he was and did what he said he was going to do. And that is the good news. And that is the gospel. The good news is for everyone. And it is meant to be shared. The largest criticism of Christians is that we are hypocrites. And I'll tell you right now, if you accuse me of hypocrisy, guys, I am guilty right in front of you as I stand. I'm sure there are multiple times when I said I was gonna do something and I did something else. But let me tell you something. My hypocrisy does not change one iota of an ounce of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. My brokenness does not change anything about the truth and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, nor does yours. The truth, the gospel, it stands on its own. It doesn't need us to add to it. It doesn't need us to take away from it. It stands alone. It is true. And so if the largest criticism of Christianity is hypocrisy, perhaps one of the largest questions that's asked of, question, uh, of Christians is why or how would a loving God send people to hell? And I appreciate that question, but I want to clear up some misunderstanding as you ask the question. The first thing we need to understand is that God does not send people to hell. It was our sin that sends us to hell. We were already, as a human race, on a trajectory to hell. It was God's idea to save us from it. God doesn't send people to hell. He saves people from hell. But we also need to examine what exactly is hell. You have read, I'm sure, that the hell, hell is a lake of fire and flames and burning. And you probably have seen some cartoon drawings of a man that's completely in red with, with horns on his head. I don't know how much of that is true. I'm sure some of it is. But let me tell you what real hell is. Hell is separation from God. And when Jesus died on the cross and he breathed his last death, uh, his last breath, that for the first time in eternity was a separation from he and his father. And that was hell. Jesus experienced hell for us so that we did not have to experience it. He experienced it and paid the price so that we would not have to experience separation from God. And so here we are in our 70, 80, 90, 120 years here on this planet, and we are given an opportunity to respond to the gospel, to respond to the good news of Christ. God does not send people to hell. He saves people from hell. There was this Olympic swimmer who was a gold medalist. And as a little boy, he heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he never responded to it. And so he decided in his life that he was going to go after many achievements. And he did. And he achieved many things. He achieved great wealth. He achieved popularity. He achieved notoriety. And he also achieved a gold medal in the Olympics. He achieved it all. But after achieving all of those things, he felt empty inside. He didn't understand exactly. He had done all these things. He should be happy, but he didn't understand why he wasn't happy. What was going on? He did not feel fulfilled. And so there was a season in his life where he would toss back and forth in bed and he couldn't sleep until one morning, it was about two in the morning, he decided to get up and he was just gonna go swim some laps because he just couldn't sleep. And so he gets up and he goes down to the gym where the Olympic swimmers go and practice. And he goes to the gym and he ch changes into his uh, swimsuit and he goes into the dark gymnasium where the pool is. He goes into the gymnasium, he climbs up the, uh, the diving board and he gets at the top of the diving board. And as he gets into position to take the dive and he spreads his arms out like this 
to, to, as the first place of the position, the moon that was shining behind him through the windows in the rafters cast the perfect shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ on the wall in front of him. Immediately, he was overcome by emotion. And so he knelt down on that, on that diving board and all of a sudden, all of the information from the good news when he was a little child came flooding back and he realized that no achievement that he had attained at this point was worth or, or equal to or even could come close to the power and love and care of Jesus Christ. And right there, overcome with emotion, tear-filled, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And so, at the end of that prayer and as he began to clean his, clean his eyes and wipe them, he began to stand and as he stood, he heard a noise over in the corner and in the corner, the door opens and the janitor walks in, the janitor who does his routine cleaning and the janitor throws on the lights and the Olympic swimmer and the janitor lock eyes and after locking eyes, the Olympic swimmer turns and looks in the pool and he discovers that the pool that he's about to jump in has no water. Don't tell me that God is not for you. Don't tell me that God doesn't have a plan for your life and doesn't want to see you be a part of his kingdom. This Olympic swimmer would go on to tell this story across the globe. And one of the things that he said is the power of this story is not that God saved me from plummeting to my death. It was that I was already dead before I made it to the diving board and now I'm alive again. And guys, that's your testimony and your story as well. Your testimony and story is that you once were dead and now you are alive because of this king, because of what he did, not because of what anybody else did. This is why my hypocrisy and my brokenness doesn't stand to reason or even come close to changing anything about the gospel. It stands alone. The truth of the gospel stands alone. Guys, if you are living your life apart from Christ, then I'm here to tell you the life you're living is really no life at all. Jesus came to give you abundant life. He tells us over in John 10 that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Guys, I believe there are people here today that have lost their way. And if you are one of those people, Jesus Christ says, I am the way. There are some people here that may have bought into the lies of the world the lies of the insecurity that's inside you, the lies of your past, the lies of your sin, the lies of your shame. Jesus says, don't buy into those lies because I am the truth. And there are many people who are walking around this planet and they might not know it, but they are walking around dead. And Jesus says, I am the life. Anybody who comes to me has access to the Father, has access to the Creator. This is my daughter, Lucia. And I can't imagine going much past thinking of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ without thinking of a story that happened about three years ago out in our home in Nolansville. It was a night, and as many of you are parents in this room, and I don't know if you ever do this, but man, I, I tell you, there's nothing like going in the middle of the night into your kid's room and just checking on them, just looking at them as they sleep, kissing them on their forehead. And that was a habit that I had and, and, and I still have with my kids. And this particular night, I heard a noise. 
And it didn't really startle me. It didn't really bother me uh, hearing the noise because there's noises that happen. But it did prompt me to go ahead and get up and go check on the kids. And so I went out and I got into the kitchen. And as I walked into the kitchen, I noticed that the back door was cracked yay far. And that didn't really phase me either at the moment because we have two small puppies and those puppies need to go out to relieve themselves. And I just thought, you know, we didn't close the door. So I closed the door the rest of the way and I made my way upstairs and I go into Hadassah's room and there she is with slobber and snoring, just wonderful beauty. And I just kissed her on the forehead and, and walked into the other room and my other two, Ruby and and Lucia were on bunk beds and we hadn't had Nora yet. And I, uh, and I go and, and Ruby is sprawled out on the bed and just laying there and I kissed her on her forehead. And then I made my way up the ladder to go kiss Lucy on the forehead and Lucy was not there. And so startled a little bit, I got down and I thought, okay, well maybe Lucy's in the bathroom. So I, I went over to their, their bathroom and the lights are off and she's not in there. Now, if you're a parent in a room, okay, you know your pulse, right? It starts going like this. What's going on? And so as to not wake people up, Lucy, Lucia, Lucia, I went into the bonus room, looked upstairs, and then it dawned on me, the back door was open. Now my heart's beating. So I dashed downstairs and I went outside. My little Lucia loves our puppies. So in my mind, I had made up a situation. Don't, don't you know you do that, right? When you're frantic, made up the situation that she had, she had gone downstairs to let the dogs go out. So I went out back and I said, Lucia, Lucia, where are you, Lucia? No answer. And so th at this point, my heart is really, it's, it's pounding. And I, I came in the door and I yell at Sher Sherry, get out here. Sherry, get out here. I don't know where Lucy is. And I go and make my way back upstairs. This time upstairs, I don't care how loud I am, what's going on, who's sleeping. All the lights are coming on. Lucy, where are you? Lucy, where are you? Lucy, Lucy. I can't find her. So I dash back down the stairs and I go out the front door. I don't care. My neighbors are sleeping. I don't care less. Lucy, Lucy. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs trying to find Lucia and I come back in and I'm gonna go get my cell phone. And as I dash back in, I hear this noise in the front bathroom and it catches me off guard and I turn around and I go back to the front bathroom and I turn on the light and nobody's there. And so I turn around quickly and as I turn around to go back, I hear another noise and I stop for just a second and I turn back around and I go back into that bathroom. And as I go into that bathroom, I kneel down at the, at the bathroom vanity and I open up the doors and there's Lucy with chocolate all over her face. <laughs> you know, your sin leaves residue. <laughs> Guys, I'm here to tell you when I opened those doors, she welled up with tears and she said, Daddy, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I grabbed her as hard as I could and I picked her up and I held her tight because you need to know in that morning, in that moment, it did not matter to me what she had done, where she had gone, how she had done it. What mattered was, is I found you. Guys, there are people here that need to be found. God is out saying your name. He's calling you by name and you're hiding behind your shame. You're hiding behind your residue. You're hiding behind the past. And God says, I've paid the price. I am for you, not against you. 
Let yourself be found. Say, here I am, and I will find you where you are. You don't have to get yourself cleaned up. Just accept me. Just call out my name, and I will be there. God is for you, not against you. Amen? The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he is for you, not against you is that he came and lived an impeccable life and he died and paid a price that none of us could pay, fit the bill, and he's living and alive today. The question I have with you, to you friends today is have you received this free gift to you of salvation? And so Springhouse Church, we're not used to doing something like this, but we're gonna do this today. I'm gonna ask everyone to join me in a prayer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray a prayer and I would like you to repeat after me. I wanna encourage you that if you're in a place where you say, you know, Kevin, I, I just, I haven't really bought in because you don't know what my life has been like. You don't know where I've gone, what I've done. I mean, no, like really, you, you know, I mean, I am the master poser in this room. That, 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 maybe that's where you are. God says, I've seen every bit of it, but I still want you. I still want you. Can I have you? Today could change your life. So I'm gonna ask you today, if you just bow your head and close your eyes with me, I'm gonna pray this simple prayer. And if you'll just repeat after me, everybody across the church. Dear God, I believe that you have created me. And I know that I don't understand everything. But I know that I need help. God, my sin has separated us in our relationship. And I want to fix this. But I know I can't by myself. Only you can fix this broken relationship. And so, God, I invite you into my life. to save me from death. God, I believe that Jesus came and paid the ultimate price so that I can be in relationship with you. And so right now, today, Easter Sunday, I am here and I commit my heart to you. Change me from the inside out and I will live my life to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I believe that if even one of you in this room prayed that prayer and you actually believed it, you actually said inside, you know, I actually believe what I'm saying here. I believe that today is the day of salvation. And I believe today is the day that your life changes forever. And just like we shared at the beginning of the service, good news is meant to be shared. It's not meant to be held on to. So if you prayed that prayer today and you believe that your life was changed, you need to tell someone, not tomorrow, not next week. You need to tell someone today. Today is the day of salvation. And for all of us who have already prayed this prayer and given their life to Jesus, 
I want to encourage you to not grow weary in doing good, to not forget that you have been commissioned to share the good news. The transformative experience that you have had as a believer now needs to go all throughout this world because there are people that are headed toward that separation that you no longer have to worry about. And we have time to deliver this gospel of Jesus Christ to a dying world. Are you committed? Say yes, church, say yes. If you're committed right now, let's go ahead and find our elements that are around you. There's a bread and, 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 and juice next to you. If you're at home, this will be the time for you to grab uh, some bread and some juice. When Jesus was with his friends prior to going to the cross, he gathered them together and he broke bread with them and he had a meal. And as he broke the bread and as he gave them the juice, he said, These, this is my body. And this is my blood. Without these things, there can be no forgiveness of sin. This has to happen. But what he was commissioning, what he was telling his friends to do was every time from this point forward, when you break bread together, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. So here we are over 2000 years later. And the reason we do this in this celebration today is because we remember the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for each and every one of us. So I'm gonna pray this morning over the elements and I'm gonna release you to take those as we close our service with a special presentation. Father, I thank you so much for today. Lord, you have given us so many gifts we can't even count the number of gifts you've given us. The very best gift you gave was your son. No man can deny, God, that you have given of yourself in all ways. And this bread and this juice that we take today, we do this in remembering what your son Jesus did on the cross. But today, especially, God, we also take this in a celebratory way, in a moment, Lord, where we remember that you are resurrected, that Jesus is alive. He's not in the tomb. The tomb is empty. You are alive sitting right next to your father, Jesus. And we thank you for this bread and we thank you for this juice and we thank you for the opportunity on this side of eternity to remember what you did for us. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen.